most trusted voice in professional wrestling. Look at this. More than four decades behind the mic. Plain and simple. With unrivaled success in broadcasting. From ringside to the boardroom to the New York Times bestsellers list. What an impact. Keen insight with a sharp tongue. And if they're smart, they'll listen. Westwood One Podcast Network presents the Jim Ross Report. (laughs) With WWE Hall of Famer Jim Ross. And now, the man himself, good old JR. Thank you very much, and hello again, everybody. We got some slobber knocker audio for you here today. A lot of ground to cover. Special guest Becky Lynch will be joining me here in a little bit to talk about everything that went on this week on SmackDown Live. The fact that she's in a SummerSlam main event level match with not only Carmella and Carmella's title at stake, but also Charlotte, Becky Lynch's best friend in the match as well. I wonder how Becky likes being considered by some as a sidekick. I'll ask her that question a little bit later in this broadcast. So again, thanks for being with us. So much to cover. So many things that uh, will tug on your heartstrings. No doubt about that as well. So without any further ado, because I got to have it. I needs it. I gots to know. I gots to know. Is he really Andre the Giant? I gots to know what's on my mind. I want to start off uh, what's on my mind uh, with our condolences to the families of Nikolai Volkov, Brickhouse Brown, and of course, my dear friend, Jerry Lawler's uh, family, with the loss of the King's son, Brian Christopher Lawler. They all passed away this past uh, Sunday, July 29th. I was in London. The King called me in the middle of the night, and for whatever reason, uh, I had turned my phone on vibrate, and it was on a desk across from where I was sleeping. And I never heard the phone ring, so uh, I missed that call. I, I always forget that. Uh, but in any event, uh, I want to tell you, Nikolai Volkov was 70. Uh, what a gentle giant he was. I met him in the Leroy McGurk territory as one half of the Mongols tag team with an old veteran named Newton Tattery. Uh, Newton Tattery was a senior member of the team. But everybody that could uh, was in, was could, had vision uh, knew that Nikolai Volkov uh, I think it was uh, Beppo, the Beppo or Guido, Beppo Mongol, I think, B-E-P-P-O, B-E-E-P-O, I'm not sure. Beppo Mongol, look it up. Correct me on Twitter, I don't care. Uh, I remember one trip we drove in my, I had a Pontiac Trans Am, two-door. Never get a two-door car if you're going to travel on the road in the wrestling business, first of all. It was 100 miles to Joplin, Missouri from Tulsa. We're all based in Tulsa. Up the, up the I-44. And, uh, on the way back, we got a six pack of beer of which I did not drink because I was driving and I wasn't really a big drinker at that time. My times have changed. And, uh, so anyway, we had the six pack of beer. Old Newt drinks about four of them. I know that Nikolai had two, so that would be four and two, six. I got that math right. And, uh, Nikolai starts playing, using my body, uh, like drums, because we had the radio on, it was some classic rock music or something. And, uh, he had his two beers, got, got, uh, a very nice buzz and was using my body as drums. And by the way, there was not a damn thing I could do about it. He was as big and as athletic and as strong, naturally strong as anybody to that date I had ever seen. And what a nice man. I really, uh, thought he was just a terrific guy. And it, he was such a, cause of his accent and his, and his a- athletic ability and his look, 
He had a look that was so fierce. Brickhouse Brown, uh, also known as Fred Seawright, which leads to a story here in a minute. He passed away on, uh, after uh, at age of 57, prostate cancer. You know, I often hear wrestlers that have prostate cancer issues. I wonder because of the fact that many of them don't have health insurance that uh, they don't get it checked. And if you get your prostate checked regularly, uh, then it's very likely you can you can uh, control any cancer there. So I wonder sometimes because wrestlers are sometimes negligent about getting insurance, and of course they'll fall into the excuse of well they're independent contractors and their employers should provide them hospital uh, insurance, uh, medical insurance. I do believe that uh, that would be a great situation, but it isn't that way. If you know it's not that way, then you, you can be defiant and say, well, I'm not going to buy my own medical insurance by God. Well, then you're not very smart. Uh, it's what you've got to do. In today's world, you can't live without insurance, period. But we brought Brickhouse Brown in to replace the junkyard dog or one of the replacements, one of many uh, African-American athletes that uh, Cowboy thought he needed to replace JYD with when dog abruptly left Mid-South and went to the WWE. So, uh, dog was on top. He was the guy. He was our, you know, he was, the, he was the big, he was the, the big dog. He was the big dog. I could do that. Like Michael Cole, I'm afraid I'll blow all my stuff out. He's a big dog. That's enough. Uh, and uh, that didn't work, but we, you know, but Brickhouse tried charismatic guy, a little small version, five, eight, five, nine, something like that. Uh, but really a good personality, a lot of charisma, a lot of charisma for that guy. And, uh, so cowboy wanted to talk to him in the morning of t this first television taping to let him know what we we're going to do and what he's expected of him, what he's going to be in a position to do as a main event guy. And, uh, uh, I think it was Ernie or maybe Bill Dundee. I'm not sure who brought him in. Uh, and Joel Watts was going to do some vignettes with him, but nobody knew his real name. They didn't know his name was Fred Seawright. I didn't either. I had nothing to do with his transaction of getting there. And Cowboy was irate. It's an F-bomb here and an F-bomb there. Here an F-bomb there. You know, you get the passage. So all of a sudden, Joel leaves because Cowboy goes go find Brickhouse without knowing his name. So he goes to the front desk, tells him what he's needed. So all of a sudden, we hear the, the PA in our room. Like a, you would get on a, a fire alarm or, or you know something serious. Uh, attention in the hotel, attention in the hotel, will a Mr. Brickhouse Brown, that's Mr. Brickhouse Brown, please report to the front desk. And for some reason, I thought that was funnier than shit. And I started laughing. I couldn't stop laughing. The cowboy shooting me those 300 uh, pound uh, glares of, I hate you and I will bite your head off any moment if you don't stop laughing. There's no laughing in wrestling, you bastards. So uh, we finally found that his name was Fred Seawright and Brickhouse Brown got his chance there in Mid-South. Uh, nice guy, nice guy, and our condolences to his family for sure. And, of course, then Brian Christopher Lawler, 47 years old. You know, I didn't understand they put Brian in the he, – he was going, he was jailed, but it was a solitary confinement for a DUI. I never quite understood uh, the, the, the reason for that. I understand getting incarcerated for a DUI or any other crime. I get that. But in but solitary confinement, unless they're going to say it was for his own protection, I don't know. It seems to me like, as the King said earlier this week, 
there may be more to this matter than meets the eye. Who knows? Uh, Brian's funeral's on Friday in Memphis. Uh, you know, gosh, just a Grandmaster Sexy was a talented performer, folks. Really was. And he was a legit chip off the old block when it came to his bell-to-bell skills. Uh, really talented kid. Great timing, natural timing. Did things without being, having to be taught and reiterated. Just a natural performer. I love calling his matches with, with the King during the Attitude Era, uh, as many has already remarked on social media, because I always had fun you know, uh, hinting that uh, Grandmaster Sexy was uh, the King's son. Good old days, right? Good old days. So our heartfelt condolences to all these families and all the friends, fans, uh, who all these men contributed significantly to the wrestling business in their own way, and uh, they all will be missed. Well, we had three great days in London at the London Film and Comic Con, thanks to Showmasters and to Steve Linsky for having me, and also thanks to Mark Henry, uh, who I heard uh, on uh, back on Busted Open this week. I always enjoy Busted Open. If you don't get Busted Open, folks, you need to check that out. It's a great show. Five days a week, uh, Dave LaGrega does a great job with Bully Ray and Mark Henry and others that uh, pass through the, the broadcast uh, studio there at Sirius XM. Uh, so Mark does great there. And, uh, you know, we had a little Texas OU football talk and, you know, not much, but a little, just to kind of, you know, put some, put some nice sugar in the tea, if you know what I'm saying, you know what I'm saying? I enjoyed, uh, hanging out with Hurricane Helms and his wonderful bride, Karen, great, happily married couple. And, uh, also the nasty boys are there. A very talented Gail Kim. Tatanka looks great. Billy Gunn looks like he's 285, uh, made out of granite. Jeff Jarrett was there. The ubiquitous Jeff Jarrett had been in England uh, about as long as uh, the prime minister, I think. He's been on an extended tour, successful one I could I can throw in, and congratulations to that. Carly Perez is there, and so Cal Val. So we had a great time with a lot of our friends and peers and, and uh, uh, former associates and so forth. So – uh, good stuff, and I uh, hope to be doing more Comic Cons around the country, around the world, uh, and uh, more appearances coming up of that particular type. Access TV's coverage of the 2018 G1 tournament continues this Friday night at 8, 7 Central Time, featuring Kenny Omega versus Tetsuya Naido in one match, and Kota Ibushi versus Zack Sabre Jr. in another all on Friday night, uh, free for the asking on Access TV. Uh, of course, uh, we work with Josh Barnett. We are not your typical pro wrestling broadcast team. We do not have someone in the booth that is, feels compelled to be a quote-unquote wrestling heel with disingenuous, uh, contrived di- dialogue. The f- audience is getting too smart for that. It used to work perfectly. Now, realism, I think, is your better route to travel if you are a, want to be a heel broadcaster. We don't have one on our team. And by the way, I, I want to remind you, too, that some people are asking about how did I get to see uh, Access TV. It's on, uh, you know, DirecTV has it, uh, Dish Network, Sling, the Sling app, Philo, DirecTV Now. Uh, and plus other cable systems around the country have it as well. And it's growing all the time. So uh, check us out on Friday nights. Two really great matches this weekend. 
uh, Omega, Naito, Abushi, Zack Sabre Jr. from the first day of the current G1. A few thoughts here on Monday Night Raw. Big night for Paul Heyman, Brock Lesnar. They were front and center, got drawed a lot of attention. Uh, Reigns and Lesnar, I guess, will go on last at SummerSlam. I assume that. I don't know that. But if it is the last match of, the, of a long night, is that the position you want to have your universal title displayed under? Not sure. Not sure at all. And I wonder what kind of reaction uh, these two gentlemen are going to receive from the live audience. And if it is overtly negative, is that the image or the, the sound that you want to go off the air with? Just my question. Uh, Ronda Rousey got a main event level match against Alexa bliss at SummerSlam should be a dandy one. Matter of fact, uh, Rousey takes on Alicia Fox this Monday night on raw in her first uh, one-on-one match on raw. That'll be a major sell, no doubt about it, for uh, SummerSlam, big time. I think Baron Corbin is evolving nicely. He had a hell of a match with Finn Balor, two young men that uh, certainly have a, a lot of uh, positivity uh, weighing in their corner. But we've got to remember that when you get got a match like uh, Corbin versus Balor, both guys could use a win. Arguably, one guy could use it better, more than the other. That's all subjective. But you can't get two guys over as a rule. It has happened occasionally. And Bret Hart, Stone Cold, uh, WrestleMania 13, two guys got over. Bret as a heel, Austin as a babyface. It's hard, hard to do. It takes artisans to be able to do that. Right place, right time, right conditions. They had it all there, and they did it. Uh, so I, uh, But I like Balor a lot, but it was his turn. And I also thought that uh, Corbin's uh, punches uh, were just amazing. Hey, look, everybody else has got a uh, – a uh, power ranking. My friend Dave LaGreca, even Willie Ray had a power ranking this week and busted open. I kind of enjoyed it. But So why can't I have a power ranking? So I want to give five black hats to the punches of the constable, Baron Corbin. Yeah, why can't I have a rating? What the hell? Uh, the women on Raw continue to get prominent positioning. Uh, I think that is terrific. And oftentimes they have some of the better performances of the night on a consistent basis uh, by far. SmackDown Live. Yep, I watched that too. I'm a glutton for punishment, right? Watch it li live as it happened. I thought it was a little bit better show than Raw, in my opinion. Great start to the broadcast with uh, today's guest on our show, Becky Lynch and Carmella to help build uh, their SmackDown title match at SummerSlam. I think Charlotte's inclusion into this mix increases the level of interest. Certainly seems that way on social media in this matchup. Uh, I, I appreciate SmackDown Live's creative for attempting to add some relevance also to the tag team scene. A lot of things that happen on SmackDown Live just make sense to me. And I, you know, you can't say come here or sick them sometimes. You know, I don't know. I, I don't dislike Raw. It's just the three hours are, are challenging for me to watch. You know, hell, I'm an old dude. Uh, but uh, I, I liked uh, the fact that SmackDown's guys are trying to make the tag team scene more relevant. If they do, they'll find a, 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 perhaps a new audience or renewed audience because some people like tag team matches. It's not a sin. Uh, so let's keep our eye on that situation. But I can tell you this, the tag team scene in wrestling in general, uh, including SmackDown Live specifically, needs personal issues to create interest in the tag teams 
because the tag team titles on virtually any show and titles in general in the business are tepid at best. Tepid at best. The Randy Orton, Jeff Hardy, Shinsuke Nakamura issue is still evolving and it still has my interest with more questions than answers. But uh, what I really like is uh, Randy's, uh, Randy Orton's intensity, facial expressions. He's dangerous. He's calculated. Uh, he, he looks like he's going to implode. He could hurt you. Uh, and so, again, anytime a character can present themselves and leave you with more questions than answers, it's a better deal for everybody involved. Uh, I love the Daniel Bryant Miz interaction. Why, you may ask? Because, folks, it was personal. And it was loosely steeped in fact and not eye-rolling drama created by others. Just wasn't. It was real. Felt good. So a tip of the hat to uh, Daniel Bryan and The Miz for their interaction that made their match personal and made me want to watch it more at SummerSlam. MLW presenting war games in Fort Lauderdale, folks, on September the 6th. If you're in that area, you can be a part of it. Two rings, one huge cage. You can't be a part of it in the match. I don't think they're going to let you in the match, just to be honest with you. But they will let you in the building if you have a ticket. And to get tickets, you need to go to mlwgo.com. mlwgo.com for tickets. Uh, hey, uh, our one of our recent guests, Filthy Tom Lawler, a good guest too. I like Tom. Very uh, cerebral is Filthy Tom. He won the Battle Riot event held recently in New York City, a big sellout there for MLW. So uh, check them out if you can. Get tickets for, at MLWGo.com. Follow another young promotion trying to find their way, find their voice. Speaking of finding their voice, Ring of Honor has certainly done that. Tickets to their co-venture with New Japan Pro Wrestling in the hallowed halls of Madison Square Garden. God almighty, during WrestleMania week? Are you kidding me? That's going to be on uh, in 2019. Those tickets go on sale, folks, to the public on Friday, August the 10th. On sale to the public Friday, August the 10th. And what I'm wondering about this major uh, happening, and congratulations to Ring of Honor and to New Japan, uh, is will it sell out day one? A lot of folks are asking that question. Will it sell out the garden on day one? That would be shocking. In a good way, but it would be shocking nonetheless. Uh, check out uh, ROHwrestling.com for more info, ladies and gents. And by the way, there are three UK events coming up soon. We'll all be uh, televised on the Fight app, F-I-T-E app. Even though I'm not a paid spokesperson, I'm still promoting their brand. Maybe their CEO will get word. Impact Wrestling, a big part of the Chris Jericho cruise uh, when the Impact Tag Chance. That's a pretty cool deal here. Cooperation, smart. Why the hell do you piss on each other's tent? Doesn't make any sense. You're, you're better pissing out than you are pissing in. LAX, the Conan, uh, the Impact Tag Champs versus the Ring of Honor Tag Champions, the fabulous Young Bucks. Going to be big. Check out ChrisJerichoCruise.com, folks. Uh, and join us uh, while the cabins are still available. The King and I will be uh, hosting that event this fall on the high seas. Should be a blast. Uh, and uh, speaking of Impact Wrestling, my... My friend Josh Matthews, who I used to work with at WWE back in the day, as Tony Guerrero would say, back in the, my day, I loved a sheep. Uh, Josh Matthews' wife, Madison Rain, is slated to compete in the May Young Classic with WWE, of course, so coming up very soon. 
talented young lady, a mom, stepped away, stepped back in. I admire that. I admire the tenacity and the, and the spirit of wanting to compete and perform and chase the dream. Moms should be able to chase dreams as easily and as readily as dads, right? Why not? I got two granddaughters. By God, this should, they're going to be afforded every opportunity to chase their dreams if they so desire, and grandpa can help. Uh, I heard that Mauro Nello is uh, going to be uh, called to do the play-by-play for the May Young Classic. And I'll tell you this, folks. Mauro will be much better than the dude they had doing it last year. Well, well, well. People Magazine reporting that Nikki Bell and John Cena have called it quits in their relationship, which is unfortunate. But as the king would say, you know, Jr. one can't grieve forever. Uh, because, let's face it, neither of these two highly successful, very attractive people are going to be, uh, and they're good people. They're not going to be lonely long. Uh, and I, I wonder what, uh, what website will declare this as a wrestling angle sooner than later. Somebody will have booked in a couple of hours, if not already out there. A former guest of this program, Matt Riddle, a guy, I really like Matt's work on the indie scene. I like his character. I like his athleticism. You know, he's a, he looks like a, he reminds me of Kevin Von Erich at times and the bare feet, long hair. Uh, but very, very talented from MMA background. Uh, and you know, the big rumors first, Matt Riddle is going to sign with either new Japan, maybe, or, or some, a ring of honor or WWE or whomever it may be without me disparaging uh, the other brands are, t- are peeing inside their tent. As we were talking about, seems like a running show running. That seems like a running storyline here today. Uh, the WWE is the only place for him to go. He's at an age where he needs to fish or cut bait. He's the, he's in a, a, a vocation that he can make more money in WWE than he can in any other company. Uh, he has a wife and three children and I, I, he needs stability. That's just me. If I was, that's how, that would be one of my pitches. If I was trying to get him to sign with WWE, the stability is important for, for a father and husband at his place in life. It's a lot more about creative expression and being where you can't do this. They can't do that. And every other half empty uh, glass that we can conjure up. WWE is a place for Matt Riddle. And, uh, and I hope that another place for him is back here on the show sometime because I really enjoy talking with him. He's a, he's a good dude and a very, very talented young man. And finally, the Jay Arna King shows we're marching on folks. You know, even though we've Jerry's tragedy this week and, of course, his son, Brian Christopher's uh, services will be Friday in Memphis, Friday afternoon. Uh, I'm sure the King would appreciate any sentiments on Facebook at Jerry, is it Jerry Lawler on Facebook and, uh, at Jerry Lawler on Twitter. Uh, it would mean a lot to him. I would think it certainly did me when my wife got killed unexpectedly. How do you get killed expectedly? Hmm. That's another topic for another show. Uh, but the King and I will be in Nashville at Zanies on Thursday, August 16th. And in Chicago land, the Zanies and Rosemont on Thursday, August 23rd, two Thursday nights, uh, a week apart in August. Uh, and our first time ever together on the stage in this, this world, exclusive Q and A's, uh, you know, meet and greets, photo ops, autographs, all kinds of good things from what we like to think are the two voices of the attitude era. And so Monsoon might say, hey, redneck, don't break your arm patting yourself on the back. But I believe that the J.R. and the King are the true voices of the Attitude Era and not spiting or saying that in venom or anger uh, toward anybody else. I think we earned that distinction. 
Just my two cents. Just saying. You know what I'm saying? Just saying. I'd love to see you there. So zanies.com uh, has all the ticket information. Whether it's a Zanies, uh, a Zanies slash Rosemont. There's a Zanies Nashville. Uh, check them out. Uh, going to be special shows, folks. I don't know how many times the King and I will be able to coordinate our schedules and, and still travel and, and make these shows. So uh, everyone to me is a blessing. I promise you they're going to be special, and we'd love to see you there. And with that, ladies and gentlemen, that's what's on my mind. Well, folks, before we get to Slobber Knocker of the Week, i gotta, I got to tout my friends at Omaha Steaks. You know, i got my weekend planned. Uh, I have been on the road the last two weekends, booked. You know, brothers got to eat, as they say. Well, I'm going to eat this weekend big time because uh, I have loaded up on Omaha Steaks for my Weber grill on the outside. I'm getting ready to build me a brand-new outdoor kitchen, and Omaha Steaks is a big part of that plan. But until it's finished, I'll go right back to my good old uh, Weber grill, and we're going to get after it because i got some great news here about this uh, Omaha Steaks relationship I have. You know, I've been, a, I've been a customer a lot longer than they have been an advertiser with me. Uh, I, I use their products religiously. I think they're great gifts. I really do. I have never, I've never gotten given a Omaha Steaks as a gift to anybody that didn't, I mean, give me the greatest uh, thank you that I've probably ever received. Uh, so I, I really believe in this, in this company and what they do. And you can kick off the grilling season with them by buying your own Omaha Steaks package. There's a great package available. Uh, you grill together. You enjoy 24 of the butcher's favorites. 24 items uh, with a grill-ready collection for, li- listen, there's no hypo, there's no typo, this is real. Grill together and enjoy 24 of the butcher's favorites with a grill-ready collection for $39.99. Yep. My weekend is set, folks, thanks to Omaha Steaks. I uh, love it. Uh, the products are, they come packed amazingly. This customer service is impeccable. And, uh, I just love the variety. I love the all cuts, of the, the best cuts of meat, bison, uh, great bison. So healthy, uh, globally sourced and, uh, fresh frozen seafood from uh, world port seafood, poultry, pork, veal, lamb, vegetables, and desserts. How about that? You can customize these orders as well. They give uh, Omaha Steaks gives you the right and the option, more specifically, to customize your cuts of meat, your order, what you're ordering for your grilling needs. You find find recipes, wine pairings. It's amazing what you get from Omaha Steaks, and the quality. Well, quality goes without saying. All the highest quality cuts with one of a kind flavor. All beef is USDA inspected for quality and aged for 21 days to unlock the full flavor and tenderness of the cuts. All right, so here we go. This is the big part here of this whole dissertation. My fellow Americans and others, right now Omaha Steaks is giving a limited-time offer to our listeners of this broadcast, this podcast, this audio extravaganza for the summer. Big, big offer just for the summer. And you can get this Omaha Steaks Grill Ready Collection for only $39.99. Folks, that is 80% off. You hear me? You know what I'm saying? 80% off. And now here's what you get. Two fillets, tender, baby oh, fillets, two beefy top sirloins, four juicy boneless pork chops, 
four boneless chicken breasts, four all-beef Omaha steak burgers, four traditional kielbasa sausages, four award-winning gourmet jumbo franks, one Omaha Steaks seasoning packet, plus you get four made-from-scratch caramel apple tartlets for free. Again, this is a limited-time package for only $39.99. When you go to omahasteaks.com, type Ross in the search bar, and add the grill-ready collection to your cart. Folks, don't wait. This can't last long. You want to get this offered soon before the summer is over, and it'll be over before you know it. Go to omahasteaks.com, type Ross in the search bar, and grab your friends, make your family happy, and grill your heart out. You're going to love it. Well, as I was uh, looking through all the research from our crack team of uh, producer Ted Raphael, my little Cuban friend, uh, a lot of good candidates. Everybody had their horse they were saddling up. Uh, here are some of my thoughts before I tell you who my sovereign offer of the week is. Uh, producer Ted is impressed by Tommaso Ciampa, and uh, he's the help of hand, a guy that probably a lot of people wrote off at one point. You can never judge a guy's success uh, by his inches and pounds. Can't do it. Well, maybe in porn. No, seriously. I'm being silly. It's just silly. That probably won't even make air. Uh, Tommaso Ciampa is a uh, passionate, passionate in-ring performer who has earned my respect ten times over. Big fan of his passion, uh, and he makes – and encourages people to make an emotional investment in his TV persona. I dig that. Uh, defeated Alistair Black, who I really like too, uh, last week to, in, to earn the in, NXT championship. Uh, and you bet he'll be tearing this son of a bitch up uh, in, in, in the Barclays Center in a couple of weeks. Uh, Jim Tomey. I, what a nice man. Jim Tomey, uh, former uh, Cleveland Indian, uh, Philadelphia Philly. I met him with Charlie Manuel, the great manager, out in Philadelphia last summer. Uh, Jim Tomey was a uh, was inducted into the Baseball Hall of Fame this last weekend, along with Chipper Jones, and Vladimir Guerrero. I wonder if he still got his green card. Jack Morris, Alan Trammell, and Trevor Hoffman. So uh, good, uh, good group, no doubt. And uh, so Jim Tomey is class act, big wrestling fan. You know, he, he has those big legs and real. He's got little old school, old school uh, baseball uh, pants. Hit the ball a mile and a half. So congratulations, Jimbo. Appreciate your friendship and congratulations for being inducted into the Baseball Hall of Fame. Which brings us to our Slobberknocker of the Week. And in my view, and really, that's all that counts in this program. <laughs> I guess I told me. Uh, the winner of the Slobberknocker of the Week award, and I know he'll be deeply touched. It could bring a tear to a glass eyes, he might say. But my slobber knocker of the week, because of his uh, tremendous presence on Monday Night Raw, getting the main event over to a more interesting and focused level, is Paul Heyman. Yeah! Happy Heyman is the slobber knocker of the week. Nobody can sell a, a, a point in a wrestling contest any better uh, in years, maybe decades, maybe forever, than Paul Heyman. He's just timely. 
he's smart. He went above and beyond the call of duty uh, with his uh, uh, performance as a very uh, uncomfortable, distressed uh, manager. Excuse me. I pardon, bar, beg my pardon, a uh, advocate. And uh, so he just he's perfected that role. I hope that young guys that uh, maybe think that they can't be a pro wrestler of any success to make a living, but they might have great gifts of gab, a unique look, whatever, uh, they're able to express themselves verbally and physically, uh, might be following everything Paul does uh, to understand why he does the things he does and what, why it works for him. And what can you take from him that will, that will work for you without it seemingly being a ripoff? A poor imitation. So the Slavonarch of the Week is the best talker in wrestling. He's a viable component to the success uh, of the main event at SummerSlam. He did a tremendous job in Tampa on, uh, or excuse me, on, in Miami on Monday night. Paul Heyman, you're the winner. You're the Slavonarch of the Week, and your sauce is in the mail. Hey, folks, hope you're enjoying the show this week. I appreciate you being with us as always. Remember, you can uh, subscribe to our program at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or however you may listen to your audio shows. And we thank you for that. Don't forget to leave us that uh, precious, beloved, uh, much-embraced five-star review. Thank you very much. And, don't, and also, you know, we've moved into the modern age. At least some of the folks here have, not necessarily more. But remember, you can say... Uh, go to Amazon Alexa, the users out there of, of Amazon Alexa. Uh, enable the skill by saying, Alexa, enable the Jim Ross report skill. And after you do that, you're in business, as they say. Uh, Alexa, play the Jim Ross report. You're in business right there. Uh, and also for Google Home users, all you got to do is say, okay, Google, talk to the Jim Ross report. Something like that, and you're in business. So, uh, Check all that out. We appreciate you doing that. It makes it easier for you. The Pet Coon Goofy Award is uh, interesting, kind of diverse this week. Uh, you may have seen some of these things. Hopefully you did. Uh, two men and a woman stole a three-foot baby shark. Miss Helen, by the way, if you're keeping score at home, I want to send a, a card to Miss Helen. They stole it from the San Antonio Aquarium in a stroller and then placing it in a pickup truck, all this on precise surveillance video, all on caught on tape. The police were able to track down the shark alive. <laughs> so absurd. Uh, earlier this week, and, is, and of course, uh, Miss Helen is halfway back at the aquarium. And officials say they arrested someone who confessed to the, to the deed, all oh, those Heinous, heinous people. And two others are expected to be charged. I still wonder what the hell you want with a three-foot baby shark. Well, not even enough shark there to make a pair of boots. Dallas Cowboys owner Jerry Jones has been rather outspoken about his desire for players to stand for the Star-Spangled Banner, saying last week that he expects the Cowboy players to have their toe on the line during the National Anthem. His son, Cowboys Executive Vice President Stephen Jones, went a step further. On Thursday, saying players should stand if they want to be a Dallas Cowboy. 
and adding that players would face punishment if they chose to stay in the locker room for the anthem. However, as the world turns in the big world of sports, entertainment, and political BS, Jerry Jones backtracked later in the week. He's now falling through on an NFL guideline. You can call it a guideline or you can call it an edict. Not to discuss player protests during the national anthem, according to multiple media outlets. All right, I agree. I don't, I'm tired of hearing about it too. But I don't know that you solve the issue with the players and, and how they wanted to protest uh, atrocities against African-American people, which is true. And they chose that very controversial way to, uh, to demonstrate their protest. I'm not in their position, but I am not, I've never been black, but I damn sure understand their point. So hopefully all that can be rectified. I just think it sends a better, there's got to be a better forum to protest than one that strikes so many chords that are not applicable to this matter. I don't see any sense in offending a veteran or uh, somebody that's, uh, you know, has lost a limb in a war and they got to listen to, you know, nobody wants to, the guy's not wanting to stand for the anthem, the anthem they fought for. I think there's a better way perhaps to demonstrate your uh, discontent with how African-Americans are treated rather than doing it during the national anthem at a NFL game. So, uh, and it's also easy for the networks to go to commercial break. Don't air their anthems. Never see the light of day in that situation. But I got to tell you, folks, uh, as crazy as those things are, and it's eye-rolling, the Petcoon Goofy Award this week goes to Michigan football coach Jim Harbaugh. A few years ago, I was at the uh, Bear Bryant uh, Coaches Award banquet down in Houston that my good friend Wallace Marsh, OU class of 1985, petroleum engineer, uh, invited me to. I, yeah, as a matter of fact, he flew Coach Switzer, Barry Switzer, and I down in, in, in his plane. Uh, so I, we had the thing, the, the banquet. Uh, I think I can't remember who won the – I think maybe Chris Peterson may have won the board. I'm not sure. Uh, now coaching at Washington. And uh, so Coach Switzer and I walk into the bar – I know that's hard to believe – in the hotel after the proceedings, and Harbaugh stands up and yells, Slobberknocker, Slobberknocker. So apparently he does watch a little bit of wrestling, and I, I appreciated that. And, of course, we shared some Brian Pillman stories because his brother John Harbaugh, the coach of the Ravens, was Brian Pillman's roommate at Miami, Ohio, when they were playing football. So, uh, But here's a story. Uh, Harbaugh told former Michigan quarterback and current UCLA quarterback Wilson Spate and told him, he called him, talked to him, said, don't eat chicken. Don't eat the chicken. I've heard of going – Countries don't drink the water. I never heard about don't eat the chicken. He says it's a protein considered fairly safe by nutritionists, but when asked why, Harbaugh said, because it's a nervous bird. Harbaugh thinks some type of sickness injected its way into the human population when people began eating white meats instead of beef and pork. I didn't know that. And he believes this 100%. So maybe this year I have to get Coach Harbaugh some good old JR's beef jerky from www.shop.com. Send it to him, let him know that uh, I'm thinking about him. And there's no chicken. No chicken was harmed in the making of this beef jerky. Jimmy Harbaugh, 
Your pet coon goofy, buddy. Well, it's time for this week in wrestling. And don't forget, folks, uh, before we get there, I want to remind you again that the JR and the King Live stage show is coming to Nashville on Thursday, August 16th at Zaney's. And then we'll be moving on uh, the next Thursday night, August 23rd, to the Zanies in Rosemont in Chicagoland. Tickets on sale and going fast. Small, intimate rooms for J.R. the King and uh, our Q&A and photo ops and autographs and all that good stuff. Uh, can't wait to see you guys. It'll make King and I both feel great to see you. I can promise you that. And so uh, tickets at zanies.com. Well, 54 years ago, August the 1st, 1964, for God's sakes, I was 12 years old. MSG, New York City, main event, tag team match, headline the garden. Gorilla Monsoon and Killer Kowalski, no doubt the heels. And the reason I know that is because they defeated Bobo Brazil and Billy Watts. So it, when I saw the Billy, I knew that was during Watts' uh, babyface run before he teamed with Bruno and then subsequently turned on Bruno and both and made them both a lot of money. Billy Watts. You know, he was headlining the garden three years into the business. It's pretty phenomenal. Cowboy I'm talking about. 21 years ago, August the 3rd, 1997. It's one of the uh, most memorable WWE pay-per-views of all time. SummerSlam uh, was emanated from the, the Meadowlands Arena in New Jersey. And uh, I know we had over 20,000 people that night. Not It was shoehorned in there. The folks were a uh, great crowd. Stone Cold Steve Austin captures the Intercontinental title. Remember that night from Owen Hart? Austin suffered a damaged neck in the process that he would never be the same from. Bret Hart on that card captured the then WWF heavyweight title from The Undertaker. When special guest uh, ref uh, Brett's arch rival, Shawn Michaels, uh, inadvertently hit the taker with a chair. Uh, that led to Hart's uh, title victory. And the show opened, get this, uh, with a steel cage match that had Mankind defeating uh, Triple H 21 years ago. Well, some all-stars in that card, huh? Wow, good stuff. 20 years ago, uh, in August the 3rd, 1998, in Denver, Two young future WWE Hall of Famers face off on Monday Nitro. Should I say Monday Night Nitro or Monday Nitro? Or do you care? Well, that was Rey Mysterio defeated Chris Jericho. Uh, and ironically, some 20 years later, both those cats are still going strong. And on any given night, they can have the best match on the card. Still. Trust me. Uh, 15 years ago, August 4th, 2003, Raw was in Vancouver, British Columbia. That was the night that Eric Bischoff defeated Shane McMahon in a no disqualification match. But I remember it more for the, the flight we took from Newark, uh, to, uh, Seattle. And then the car ride from Seattle to, uh, Vancouver, because I was flying across country, uh, in a bulkhead seat in first class next to James E. Cornette. And that was one of the most memorable scenarios of my entire life. Because Cornette is, as the shoot now, real, deathly afraid of flying. And when he took his meds to go to sleep for the whole trip, he didn't count on, nor would he, that we were going to be on the tarmac almost two hours before he could take off. So by the time we got somewhere over like, oh, I don't know, Minnesota, 
the, pe- the meds were worn off. And there's where the adventure began. More on the news at 10. Funny story. Good stuff. He said, uh, you got you to gotta talk to me. Oh, I'll talk to you. He said, sing, just sing something. Sing something. I don't know, how am I going to sing? There's people on the plane. They know who you are. They know who I am. What are you saying? What are you saying? I don't care to sing anything. So I have been listening to my iPod, right? Neil Young. He says, uh, I caught you knocking at my cellar door. I love you, baby. Can I have some more? So I thought that some of those lyrics probably were not conducive to two men. Obviously a little strange. And one singing to the other that I caught you knocking at my cellar door. I love you, baby. Can I have some more? Now, that's what I remember about Vancouver's Raw. And Cornette insists on driving from Seattle to uh, to uh, Vancouver. And, of course, we did have a little incident at the border, which was good for another time. Ten years ago, uh, two future Hollywood leading men were in Knoxville, Tennessee, where our friend Glenn Jacobs will be the next uh, mayor of Knox County. And those two men, uh, Dave Batista and John Cena, they teamed up to feed to defeat legacies Cody Rhodes, can I say that, and Ted DiBiase Jr. to capture the WWE Tag Team titles. They're dandy guys, huh? Batista and Cena, I think they've done quite well for themselves. Uh, six years ago at Triple Mania 20 in Mexico City, uh, 20,000 fans on hand, big deal, big card, big event. Uh, Impact Wrestling's Jeff Jarrett, Kurt Angle with Karen Angle, in their corner, uh, they lose a versus a, a electroshock in LA Park in a hair versus hair match. The Impact team was representing Dorian Rolden's hair. Hmm. They're hair representatives. They're hair advocates, by God. Uh, Triple A team representing uh, Dorian's father, Joaquin Pena's hair. Uh, and with the help of Conan, that's uh, Carlos. You got you got to watch Carlos at all times. Uh, and Impact members, uh, other Impact members, Dorian was supposed to have his hair cut, but due to the match result, he ends up cutting his own father's hair only in Mexico City, uh, and it had to be good. It's just too much wrestling, too much old-school pro wrestling for it not to be good. The guy loses, he gets his, gets his head shaved, he swerves his own, man, his, old, his own father. God, what a lovely business. <laughs> okay, it's time for birthdays. Uh, Harry Smith, 33 years old. Boy, he doesn't look it. Big man, what a monster. What a monster he is. I, I like his kid. Josh Barnett's done a real good job of work with him on training, grappling. You know, Harry's a beast. Really, a, truly a beast, no doubt. And uh, WWE Hall of Famer Devon Dudley, or as JBO used to call him, D- Devin. Devin Dudley is 46 years young. How will we ever really know? Devon looks like he's 20-something still. Uh, August the 2nd, uh, Mexico's El Hijo del Santo is 55. Big star. Another Hart family member, Jim the Anvil Neidhart. At one time, a world-class shot putter. And uh, we're very happy for the Anvil because he helped us discover his baby girl, Natty. One of our favorites in the show. So Anvil is uh, birthday 63. Happy birthday, big man. 
Damian Sandow is 36. Where in the hell is he? Does anybody know where Damian Sandow is? If so, tweet me, at JRSBBQ. I'm curious. Nice guy. And WrestleMania alumni, Butterbean. Butterbean from the ill-fated, one of the worst ideas in the history of pro wrestling of all time, brawl for it all, and he won it all. Uh, Bean. What a train wreck the brawl for it all was, folks. Trust me on that. Did nobody any good. Uh, Frankie Kazarian's uh, Ring of Honor, Frankie Kazarian, is 41 years old this weekend. He's going to be on the Chris Jericho Cruise, ChrisJerichoCruise.com, if you want to go with us. It's going to be fun, man. Some great wrestling. I mean, actual in-ring wrestling product. And all kinds of podcasts and Q&As and music and comedy. Brahms, uh, 36 years old on Monday, he visited our show in uh, Birmingham with uh, Kenny McIntosh and his wonderful crew inside the ropes. All the, all the gals and guys that work there, good friends, good people. Uh, it's good seeing him there. And he and Jane Storm, as a matter of fact, both dropped by. Jimmy Valiant, the boogie woogie man, is 76. I think he'll live forever. I hope he does. He's another, he's another legend. Another legend. I'd like to see a movie on his career. I think it'd be kind of crazy. The late Dino Bravo is 70, would have been 71. He ran afoul of some uh, less than friendly folks. Not good. And finally, uh, on Tuesday, Sable will be 51 years of age. And I can promise you, I haven't seen her in years, but she's never going to look her age. She, she trained. She looks great. Uh, but she was a big star in uh, uh, the Attitude Era, no doubt, an icon uh, in, the, in the Attitude Era, in my view. Uh, so she was responsible for a lot of big ratings and should be given credit for that long before women were given the credit that they are getting today in WWE or anywhere else. Nobody treats women better in the profession of pro wrestling than WWE does in a story case closed, Ernie, because you know, I'd rather fight a man to make love to a woman. Ernie, we got to talk about that. So happy birthday, everybody. And remember you take the cake. Look at this. All right, your mailman is here. I am, uh, no matter what the weather, rain, sleet, snow, heat, brush fires, whatever. Count on me, folks. I promise you. And remember, you can also email me uh, at thejimrossreport at gmail.com. Thejimrossreport at gmail.com with uh, questions for the mailbag uh, that uh, producer Ted goes through. In, immaculately until many of the wee hours of the night uh, and, and selects these uh, key submissions that you'll see today are just phenomenal. This from Eric Vasquez in Bonnie Lake, Washington. Mr. J.R., your show gets me through my work day. Thank you, sir. I think the time of the heel announcer is over. What say you? Viva La Ross. Wow. Uh, I think you're probably onto something there, Eric, actually. If a talent of an announcer is trying so hard to be a quote-unquote heel that it takes them out of their uh, uh, believable tenor or voice, their delivery, and they sound sensationalistic or over the top, 
it doesn't play in today's market, in my view. Today's marketplace is much more educated. They have more information. They know more about what's going on than they have ever known. So I think you got to be you got to be as sincere as you can. Now you can embellish, but you got to embellish in a tone and a tenor that's real. So I think in the traditional sense of the heel announcer disagreeing with every single thing that the play-by-play guy or the second guy in the booth or third guy in the booth, as it may be, says is redundant, uncreative, and uninspired. Ain't going to work. Dominic Haro from West Covina, California. Let me start off by saying a hell of a show. Great to hear opinions and interviews by one of my voices of my childhood. I get that a lot. The older I get, the more I get it. Then their kids are with us. Who's that guy? Who's that old guy with the hat? He never smiles. Uh, now my question is, will you be doing commentary for New Japan at the Fighting Spirit Unleashed show on September 30th? I have not heard if that's going to be televised by Access TV or not, to be honest with you. So I'm assuming that if Access is going to televise it, uh, I'll be in the mix uh, as long as it doesn't conflict with one of my OU football games. Seriously. So I haven't heard, uh, Dominic, but I'm, uh, if, if called upon, I will certainly try to serve. Uh, Ian Milney of, uh, Falkirk, Scotland. All right. I generally love the show. My question is which person that's currently in NXT do you see as the next big thing? Uh, it was a pleasure meeting you in Glasgow last month. Take care. Good meeting everybody there in Glasgow. Nice full house. Uh, Another Kenny McIntosh's piece of business. Did a nice job. I think Mr. Barnett would love Kenny. I don't know why. There's something that tells me that <coughs> Kenny, he might be my next Connie. I don't know. Probably not. Uh, what's hard to say? I love Roderick Strong. I love Adam Cole. Kyle O'Reilly's really good. Um, gosh. I mean, there's a ton of talent, so I'm going to leave out a bunch of guys. Uh, I, I like uh, Alshur Black. I mean, their covers are not bare by any stretch, and, and it's not also in, in NXT. And the second thing is, uh, uh, Ian, that it's hard to name one guy that stands out head and shoulders above everybody else because I believe it's that competitive. And I think for us as fans, that's a good thing. The NXT guys have done a tremendous job in recruiting and scouting uh, talents, and so there's a it, 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 there's a there's a lot of parity. So at some point, natural athleticism, acquiring their skill sets, improving their skill sets will always will set in, and, that, and then the talents start distancing themselves. But right now, uh, a lot of those guys are very are nose to nose, but strong and uh, uh, cold. Uh, you can't go wrong with either of those two picks, in my view. They're, and they're, and they're, they, it's time for them. It's time for them to have a great story and come in and, and uh, blow the audience away. And they can do that. Remember uh, the Jim Ross Report at gmail.com for your questions. Matt Quick uh, says that uh, he heard on a tweet that I, I read on a tweet that I used to umpire baseball. I did for almost 20 years. Uh, and I did. I went to Bill Kinnaman's Umpire School in St. Petersburg in 1976. That was the year my oldest daughter was born. Uh, I was there in January. She was born in July. Uh, and I went straight to uh, umpiring 
uh, high, a lot of high school games, but I also did for my very first season, Southwest Conference, which used to be in existence. You can Google it. Uh, the Big Eight, which is now the Big Twelve, JUCO, Junior College. I did. All, I, if they had a baseball game somewhere, I might be there. You know, I, I the money was important to me to earn the extra money at that time. Uh, my home life wasn't phenomenal, largely because of my uh, zest for running around and doing getting myself involved in a zillion projects and not prioritizing my family first. Bad is a good lesson to learn, but boy, didn't I don't look back on those days as anything but uh, kind of embarrassed. But I enjoyed it. I enjoyed umpiring. And John McSherry, the late John McSherry, was my uh, my my teacher. Uh, you know, a lot of guys, uh, some great some great umpires are are guys there for a month. So I had fun doing it, and I made extra money doing it. There's a big. I tell people this all the time, and you wait and mark my words. No matter if it's football, basketball, baseball, soccer, whatever, any sport. Uh, you're going to find that somewhere sooner than later, if it's not already upon us, nobody wants to admit it. The officiating pool gets more and more shallow every year. And that means that somewhere down the road, uh, the backlash is going to be that there's poor officiating in a ton of sports. And, uh, as fans, uh, we're not going to stand for it type thing, but what can we do about it? Not much. So you got to encourage guys who want to become officials. And uh, I, I loved it. That was 20 years of my life that I would not trade for anything, any of my wrestling experiences or anything. Those Friday nights, my football crew and Oklahoma high school football were blessed, blessed events for me. And then umpiring baseball on a high level was a, a great experience. So, uh, but we need more officials and, uh, it's going to be sad to see what happens. Uh, uh, and you know, I see it all the time when I go to OU women's basketball games, the level of officials that, that officiate in the, in and women's basketball in the Big 12, which is what I see a lot of, is not acceptable. But it's the best they got. It's the best they got. And quite frankly, that's not good enough. Uh, Realm Langdon says that he's been enjoying the podcast tremendously. Five stars all the way. That's what I love to hear, Realm. Thank you. I've been wondering, do you think uh, a tag team Money in the Bank would work? I don't know if it would work right now or not because there's not enough established tag teams uh, to give it credence, legitimacy. But I do like the idea of thinking that in that direction. I do like the idea of thinking of ways that the tag teams can become more relevant and meaningful. That's why I said earlier, uh, you need to have a personal issue. Get them hot. And somebody's got to get on a roll. And I see a lot of, uh, you know, the tag team wins, the single guy loses, that's a kind of a 50, 50 deal to me. That's kind of like kissing your sister. So I think bottom line, it's good to be thinking about things that will help uh, accentuate the tag team scene on in anybody's TV show. But until personal issues are instilled and teams has some continuity of being a team for over a longer period of time, it's going to be hard to make it work. But I do like thinking outside the box and that's a, that's not a bad idea at all. And that's our mailbag. I've been waiting to talk to Becky Lynch on our show for a long time. And Becky, thank you very much for making the time to uh, hop on here. And the fact that you were in, on, as we record this on Wednesday, you were in Tampa on Tuesday night. And now with the magic of uh, American Airlines, I guess, or Delta or somebody, you're in Los Angeles where you're living. So thank you for taking yes. the time and making the effort, girl. No, thank you for having me on. It's a pleasure. Uh, 
you had a good week so far from what I've seen. The uh, Tuesday night uh, production of SmackDown Live from Tampa was, I thought, a really good show. I talked about that earlier in my uh, What's on My Mind segment. I thought it was a better show this week than Raw uh, for a lot of reasons, but and some the Raw guys can't control that extra hour. It's a tough, tough pill to swallow sometimes. Three hours of TV. Yeah. For me in my lifetime, three hours of anything is a long time. You know, I don't. I don't even buy. I don't even buy ripe bananas anymore. <laughs> you never know how long you're going to be around, man. So, uh, good outing though. I thought your business, your starting off the show, was really good. Did how much of a of a input do you or do you have in the promos that you do in that sort of environment? Um. Well, it's all. Uh, I. I I've got more control of tweaks than overall promo writing, if if that makes sense. So so when I see something, um, I'll be like, well, I probably wouldn't word it like that. They're not words that I, as Rebecca Quinn, would use. So it's going to be uh, maybe difficult for me to deliver that believably. And I just always want to sound like I'm I'm just talking, you know, as opposed to uh, delivering a, a promo or or some sort. Of, sort of speech, you know, so um, I, I just tried to, to look at it and make sure that um, that uh, whatever I'm saying has, has some some depth that people can get behind and that they can root before so that it's, it's really uh, active verbiage, you know, as opposed to maybe more uh, passive stuff like um, uh, just, just constantly try to sound like I'm, I'm fighting for something, you know, and, uh, and then just make sure that it's my own, uh, my own words, as opposed to, as opposed to, to, uh, sound like lines that just don't, that aren't, aren't words that I would use in regular conversation. Mm-hmm. Well, I think that, uh, anytime that we get an overdose in any, in any genre, whether it's pro wrestling or acting or a TV sitcom or whatever, I think uh, a lot of us are, are leery of structured oratory. Structured oratory has become too closely uh, attached to uh, the political world with politicians being afraid to say this or to commit to that or I didn't really mean this, but I really – it's like ribbing on the square in wrestling. You know, that's one of the yeah. oldest, most pathetic traits in the business, in my opinion, is ribbing on the square because it's normally done by people that have whose testicles would fit into a thimble. It's just not a good thing. It's not a good look for you. So uh, I, I believe that you staying real, and that's what really got my attention a few weeks ago. I thought your your promos and your passion in delivering the promos were what you would do in that environment if it were not fiction. Yeah, and that's that's what I always like to to just make, yeah make it real for me. Um, and and luckily a lot of the time is it's not it's not that hard because yeah they're always having those struggles, you know. And you're you're never um and maybe some people are, but you're never going to be completely happy or satisfied with your spot, you know. You always want to be the top dog, and I certainly do. So it's very easy for that to become real in in the character setting. It's uh, imperative that you uh, believe in your television persona. It's imperative yeah. that your real-life personality, uh, that there are many aspects of that personality that we can find on uh, SmackDown Live, for example, or at SummerSlam. 
uh, th- this, uh, the thing last night, you know, I didn't foresee it becoming a triple threat match. I, I didn't even think about that, to be honest with you. Cause I didn't uh-huh. know, uh, Sh- I didn't know Charlotte's, uh, uh, she'd been medically released or whatever. You know, I didn't, I don't know about this stuff, but, uh, it surprised me when the match was uh, made. Were you surprised when, uh, you found out about that particular piece of business? Um, not, not, not too surprised. Um, I feel like that's uh, it's kind of par for the course, especially in, um, especially with my character. You know what I mean? Like it's always that she's almost there. You know, she's almost there, always almost. And, and then there's another obstacle that she's got to constantly overcome. That and, and another. You know, there's always going to be obstacles thrown in my way that I have to move. And um, I think that's been the thing that's gotten the uh, fans so uh, so far behind me is that. Things don't come easy for me, you know what I mean? It's never it's never a straight path. There's always uh, trees falling down and I'm climbing over them and then there's a freaking lightning bolt and it almost hits me and I'm trying to dodge out of the way, you know what I mean? So um, I feel like uh, I, I, I would have thought that it would, be, uh, it would be a triple threat or four-way or something. I always figured that there would be something else that would come um, on the way. You know, it wasn't ever going to be a straight straight. Uh, shot right this <laughs> but like you said it fits your your persona it it, it uh, represents the the journey that you're on that you've underscored to the audience on television and apparently and rightfully so a lot of them have have uh, embraced that concept so i think that's a good way to to look at that thing i think there's also you know the the old uh i saw i was looking at some stuff this morning uh, that, you know, the, there's so much speculation. I was heard, hearing the guys on Busted Open Radio, uh, Dave LaGreca and, uh, and Bubba Ray, Bully Ray to those radio people, but Bubba Ray to me, they're talking about this situation. And w- is this a setup for Charlotte to become the dirtiest player in the game? Is this a setup for uh, Becky to win by any – because of the situation, the journey she's been on? Would anybody blame her if she did anything – to win this championship. So it sets up a lot of more questions and answers, which I've always found to be one of the fun parts of being in the wrestling business. Yeah, absolutely. And I have no, uh, I have no answers for any of them. But, oh, that's, uh, that's good though. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Cause it'll be as much of a surprise to me as anybody else. You know, the, uh, I was telling somebody the other day, I was in London at the comic con, uh, over the weekend. Uh, and I saw some of your fellow Irish folks there uh, came by. There's been some of my other shows. As a matter of fact, I was in Limerick uh, not too long ago. Did you know that? That's where I was born. That's where I was. I did a, I did a show there, and I had Paul O'Brien, my our friend, our mutual friend, uh, come on stage and do the Q&A with me because, of course, he helped me. He, he did the heavy lifting on our book, and he and I are going to collaborate book, on a second book. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Oh, I appreciate great, that. Great book. Great week. Uh, so I was I, I was in your town, and uh, I didn't know that was your hometown until I started doing more research after you know we set a date for you to come on the show. So uh, I wish I'd have known. I would have I would ask around some some dirt on Becky in, in Limerick. <laughs> <laughs> we all need dirt well, I, to live by in wrestling, right? Absolutely. Well, I actually never lived there. I was like I was born there. Maybe I was there for a couple of months, and then. Boom! I was shipped to Dublin um, and grew up there. But I hope my my uh, my birthplace <laughs> was good to you. Oh, it was. We had a sold out show and uh, some good food. We stayed at this hotel on, the, on a lake there. Uh, it looked like a big lake or a river or something like that. And uh, it was it was beautiful. We stayed two nights there actually. And then I took a car. Oh, 
Yeah, I took a car from there to uh, uh, Galway, and but but in, but I we we uh, made the the little turn and go down to. I can't remember that city, and I should know it. Dadgum, uh, it's where the Quiet Man Museum is. Uh, the, oh. John, the, the John Wayne movie. You know, the, oh, I have no uh, idea. John Wayne and Maureen O'Hara. You know, so we, uh, that was a big deal to me, and great movie, my favorite movie, and it happened to be made. This little town had not changed a bit, and I got a private tour, and it was really cool, and uh, it was a real good memory. But it was a, I got to drive all over that part of the, the Limerick, uh, Galway, and all that. Beautiful. It's really, it is. It's like a, it's like a postcard. It's beautiful. It really is, and the people down there are so lovely, just so friendly. Was anybody speaking, uh, speaking Irish down there? A little bit, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I love that. You know, it's like the only part of the country where people uh, still speak uh, Gaelic. And it's really cool to kind of go back there. You feel like they're in a a little bit of a time warp or something. Folks, you can uh, follow Becky on Twitter at WWE. I suggest you do that. She's got 1.2 million followers and will accept your follow today on this program. (laughs) Absolutely free. Uh, I see that. And this is something really surprising because I'd heard, well, you know, Becky was a flight attendant and my ex, my ex, my late wife was a flight attendant, uh, for about 12 or 13 years. Uh, so I thought, well, that's kind of cool. And, uh, unfortunately I don't think you two ever got to meet, but, uh, she, she would have loved sharing flight attendant stories with you for sure. Uh, but I, I see that. I met her on, uh, in, in WrestleMania 32. Did you really? That, uh, oh, oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She was so oh, lovely. She was a nice lady. Yeah, she's irreplaceable, my girl, irreplaceable. You only get one chance at that real good stuff, and uh, we had everything. You know, she was just the best. So uh, I'm glad you got to meet her. Uh, I was glad I got to spend 25 years with her. So it's been a lucky deal for me. I've been blessed. But I want to know about you wanting to wrestle at 15. Now, look, you're you're a beautiful woman. Uh, I talk about your cheekbones. I'm not mean (laughs) because I'm a a, uh, cheekbone guy uh, and uh, structure symmetry and not over uh, manufactured your natural beauty so i say that i'm not flirting with you i'm just saying that for as a former producer and, and one that hired a few talents in his day uh, you have the great tv look your bone structure is oh, perfect thank you thank so, you, so much. You, you get this acting degree from the from the dublin institute of technology and all these other places you're going to school but how in the hell did you figure out at 15 that uh, and it was you and your brother that went to wrestling school, right? Yeah, so I, I was watching wrestling uh, growing up and everything like that. And I was I was a little uh, I was I was one I was a chubby kid. Um, two, I was uh, I was I was I was partying too much probably at fifteen, and um, and I figured that you know I, I I needed to get fit, you know I needed to turn things around, and I failed PE. And uh, I was looking at, I, I was an alternative kid too, you know, so going to a gym just felt too conventional. So I wanted to maybe do some kickboxing classes or something, something a little scrappier, you know. And uh, and then, and it's because there was no wrestling schools in Ireland. I didn't even know that wrestling schools existed. I didn't know how people got into the business. And uh, my brother found out about a wrestling school in England and he was about to go over. And then with that, he found out that Finn Balor was opening a school down in Bray County, Wicklow, which is about an hour away from my house. So he, he said he was going to go along to that. And I was like, well, can I come? And I think he, he was reluctant on, on letting me come along. But I went down and, and um, I was the only girl in the class and we didn't even have a wrestling ring. We had six 
blue mats, um, you know, the mats that will be on the outside of the ring. We just had them on the floor in this little school hall. And uh, and that was that was how we, we learned to wrestle um, for at least the first three months. And then we actually got a wrestling ring. And uh, I, I just, I fell in love with it. There was, I don't know if it was the, the, the bond between all the people in the class, all the students, or if it was just, it was something that I wanted to dedicate myself to, and I wasn't athletic at all, at, like even slightly. I was, I was terrible, um, but I loved it, and it, it was just something that gave me a drive to want to work hard at something, whereas nothing had ever really uh, given me that um, impulse before. When I was younger, there was there was nothing that that focused me that much. So, um, so when I when I went along, and and then uh, and then I kept coming back and then I'd go over to England and I'd do little summer camps over there and we would wrestle for a week straight or two weeks and um, I would go to England any chance I'd get to do more shows and things like that and and, and I remember and and I never even thought that I would make it to WWE because it just seemed so far beyond a dream you know but but then I, I, I played heel for the first time with my brother. We had a tag match. Um, and I remember I remember looking at him afterwards and I was like, oh no, this is it. This is what I want to do. And uh, a few, few months later, I dropped out of college, moved off to Canada and, and, and wrestled over there. Um, uh, it's so funny, like, because I taught the first class that Kyle O'Reilly was in out in ECW, and it's so crazy to see what he's doing now in NXT and everything. Um, and, uh, and yeah, and so then that took off for me, and I would go to Japan, and I would wrestle around America, and whatever, and then um, and then my visa ran up in Canada, and then, uh, and then I, I wasn't sure of what I should do, where I should go. Uh, I didn't know that WWE would would want somebody like like me, and uh, and so then I left the business for for seven years and tried wow. to try my hand at everything else. When did you? But, le- uh, what, how old were you when you left? Nineteen. Wow, that's a key time too. Uh, yeah, and, you- and I, I I I wrote down in a diary. I I found it like a few years back, and I wrote down. Uh, I've been living in a dream world. It's time for me to grow up and get a steady job and join the rest of 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 society and it's like at 19 that's so sad to be giving up your <laughs> dreams at that young age you know i uh uh was that when you were flighted you're flighted to two or three years right uh yeah two and a half years yep how how, how was that uh how was that how was that booking were <laughs> you a baby were you a baby course. face or he flight attendant i was such a baby face <laughs> I was such a baby face. That was like my gimmick. <laughs> like, no matter how mean somebody would be, I would be extra nice to really like make them feel guilty. You know, <laughs> so that, nice. that was always that was always my strategy. Um, and uh, I remember that one time there was one guy I could go on to I can't remember somewhere in Eastern Europe and he was being so mean to me, so mean, and I just kept being so nice. And at the end of it, we were like best friends. So that was a turn around. So that was nice. Um, but yeah, no. So uh, that was uh, it. Wasn't for me. Now my mom was a flight attendant for nearly thirty years, and she loved it. Um, but for me, I felt like the schedule was as jam-packed as 
almost as we are in WWE, you know, but it was without doing something that I wanted to do and without it going somewhere, you know, and I couldn't, I, I tried to take acting classes on the side and I was able to a little bit, but there would always be scheduling conflicts and stuff like that. And I felt like if it, if it isn't going to what I ultimately want to do, then there's no point in me continuing. Right. That's good. That was a good decision. You got a, you got a fair amount of time in it to, to really determine if this is your life's work or not. Obviously it wasn't. And you, you knew what you want to do all along. And I think that's important for everybody to understand is that man it's easy. You know, I, I say this sometimes, uh, when I finished the, our book, when Paul and I finished our book, you know, I, I really was kind of, kind of the spirit of me was kind of been kicked around after my wife got killed. And I just said, you know, I, I can't finish this book. I don't have it in me. I'm just, it's not worth it. Blah, blah, blah. Feeling pity party, pity party, feeling sorry for myself. And I remember the story my dad told me one time that uh, I was going to quit the high school, uh, the junior high football team to play on the varsity. And he said uh, that he, he, he disdained quitting in all forms. He said, uh, quitting is the easiest thing in the world to get good at. And yep. I thought, of, I thought of that. So I just decided, well, I'm going to stop feeling sorry for myself. I'm going to, we're going to finish this great book and, and we're going to dedicate it to my wife, Jan, and we're going to uh, live happily ever after. Cause that's the way I want it to be. And I think sometimes we, we have to follow that to that intently that I really believe this is going to happen. And I think if you probably somewhere on that way, you realize that somewhere you knew something great was going to happen. And it was going to be involved in wrestling. It seemed to me that's the feel I'm getting anyway. Oh, it's so funny because I've kept diaries my entire life. The whole time, I just kept writing. I've, I've got unfinished business to do back in wrestling. I don't know how to get back. I feel like I'm not doing what I'm meant to do. And I just, I didn't know how to get back. And, and the thing was, was uh, and it's funny you say that about the quitting thing, because at once, so when I left wrestling and I was going off to Orlando and I was, because uh, I was, I decided that I would do a personal training diploma, you know, as a backup plan. And uh, I, I was, I was connecting in, in JFK, and I called my mom, and I said, "Mom, I don't want to do this. I want to come home." She was like, "You're, you've been giving up everything." She was like, "You're going to see this through," and she wouldn't let me come home. And I think that was one of the best things she could possibly do. Because um, since then, I made a promise to myself: I'm never going to give up anything no. unless I have something better to go to. Um, so yes, of course, moving on. Absolutely. I'm a full advocate of that. Like there's no point in saying in something, but like it's, it's knowing when to, and not giving up on it just because you doubt yourself or, or you don't think that you're going to get there. Um, and, and so that was a huge, huge lesson for me. Tell us how Joe Cabrera convinced you to come back to wrestling after you had that long break. That's a what long a break. Legend. Yeah, that's a, um, that's a like, long break. So, it's almost it's almost uh, insurmountable, and I'm curious as to how you did it. Um, so so I had finished my acting degree, right? And uh, I I lived in New York for a little bit while I was acting, or while I was in college, and uh, I was working as a bartender over there. And I uh, I decided that once I was done, I was going to uh, I was going to go back to New York. And I was trying to you know get on off. Broadway plays or whatever, because that's why I studied theater. And um, and uh, I'd gotten my visa, I'd flights booked everything. But in the meantime, I booked a job on the Vikings as a stunt woman. And so, so when I handed in my my headshots and everything like that, I had been intending to go for an acting role. 
But the way that my resume read, read with all this physical experience, wrestling, yoga, scuba diving, uh, martial arts, et cetera, et cetera, is like, clearly this woman's a stunt woman, right? Which I wasn't. Um, so <laughs> I get a call from the head of the stunt guild, and he's like, hey, do you want to... Uh, you want to come down and do some stunts on the Vikings? I'm like, of course, sure, I can do that. And of course, I didn't have a clue, so I was like, okay, all right, well, uh, let me go. I, I, I was, I was confident in wrestling, and I, I think I was pretty good at it. So let me, let me go back and do some training. And Joe, I was good friends with Joe. We tra- trained in the same gym, and uh, he ran the classes at Main Stage Wrestling, which was school in Dublin. And I said, all right, let me go down, and um, maybe if I can. If I can get the confidence from that, I'll be able to to bring it over to the stunts, right? So I go down and and we're doing a we're doing a class or whatever, and he goes, Ah, you haven't missed a beat, you know. Of course, I didn't feel like that, but um, but I just oh, I felt like oh, this back home, you know. I was like, oh, I remember how to do this, you know. And then we were talking, we were sitting around at my friend Rachel's uh, house, uh, his his girlfriend, fiance, right now, and. Um, we were talking about promos, you know, and I, I started talking about what how I like to do promos, and obviously he could just see that there was so much passion in my voice for it, you know, just so much love, and he was like, Jesus, have you ever have you ever thought about going for a tryout? I said, you know what, Joe, I've got my visa, uh, I've got my visa booked, I've got, you know, this plan, I'm, I'm going off to New York, and he was like, well, think about it, because, you know, I think you've got a good, good chance of getting it. I thought about it for two seconds. I was like, yeah, oh, that's what I need to do. I was, it was so funny because from that moment, it was like, I felt like I'd been pushing the whole time, you know. I'd been trying to force things and, and trying to to force a passion on myself. And then as soon as he said that, and as soon as I had that goal and that drive, it just felt like I was being pulled. And I felt like, oh, there is no way that I'm not getting this. There's no way that this isn't meant to be. And, uh, yeah, it was just, I, I'll never forget that feeling. How did you contact or hook up? Who's your, who's your, uh, intermediary? Was it Regal or, uh, uh, so Hunter? Was, how, how was that? How'd that work? It was Robbie Brookside. So actually one of the last shows that I'd ever done on the independence, Robbie had been, um, working on that, on that show. And I was wrestling, uh, Sweet Soraya, who is Paige's mom. And, uh, she had a reputation for being um, uh, stiff. Stiff, yeah. <laughs> and, <laughs> and, uh, and and I was able to kind of go. I was able to go toe to toe with her, you know. And we had a good match. And um, and I, I remember Robbie uh, saying some very kind stuff to me afterwards. And so when uh, when Joe contacted him. He said that he had always wondered what had happened to me, you know, because uh, I, 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 he saw he saw some potential in me in Scott and Thomas, and then I, of course, dropped off to face the planet, and I couldn't face wrestling anymore. I couldn't face that I'd given up this thing that I had a talent for and an act for and, 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 and a family. I, I felt like I kind of like abandoned my family, kind of almost like a prodigal son. Um, and even coming back to it, I felt like that for a long time. I felt just this tremendous guilt. Even being in WWE, I felt like, oh, you know, who am I to, to be here? You know, there's these people that have been working the entire time and I gave up on it. I walked away from it. And uh, eventually I, I was able to forgive myself and, and, and overcome that. But that was a huge obstacle, huge obstacle. Just I felt very unsure of myself and... Um, 
uh, I had to completely regain my confidence. Well, you've done a good job of that because it feels like uh, you believe in Becky when you're on television now. And I I, I think that uh, – I think what this match, after adding Charlotte, and I don't – I don't want to beat that drum too too long, but you know the the way this role has turned out. You know she's she's like the uh, the uh, the queen of the castle in the positioning, creative positioning uh, in WWE, or it seems to me, my opinion. That's yep. all. And uh, so, and because you guys have expressed on social media and other uh, outlets that people can sample your true friendship, you have a legit friendship with each other. Uh, then that just creates great wrestling questions and all that stuff. But it also puts you as almost in the quote unquote sidekick role, you know, the yeah. Superman or Batman and Robin or whatever, whatever the hell I can't peanut butter and jelly. I don't know what some of my fat ass would eat something like that, but you know, but seriously, does that ever bother you? Or here's how I don't, before you answer, I would say this yeah. just so you know where I'm thinking. I think anytime there's an emotional investment in a talent, and that there's a, there's there's a logical opportunity for for Becky to not want to be the little buddy, uh, the little the partner, the you know my sidekick anymore. People, a lot of people are going to understand that, but it doesn't mean that you have to turn heel to do that. In my opinion, so do you have any issues being in that this role right now as far as Charlotte's sidekick? Yeah, so I guess that's the thing, like. Uh uh, I get called that a lot, um, but it's never anything that I feel I am. You know what I mean? So, um, but that is, I guess, that that ends up being the position, and that ends up being what I'm called a lot of the time. And of course, that that's bothering because I'm I'm a woman on my own, you know, and uh, I've I've uh, I've been struggling through this thing since I was 15 years old, you know, and um, to get. To, to to get any sort of um, belittlement, you know what I mean? Like, oh, you're a sidekick or whatever. Of course that's going to affect you, and of course that's going to hit you. And I understand roles, and she's awesome, and I always want her to do absolutely amazing things, and she's so capable, and, and everything that she's been through, and how she just, she has so much passion for this business, and she's such a wonderful, sweet human being. Um I always just want to be on the, the the same level and the same conversation, and you never want to be thought of as lesser than because you're putting your your heart and soul into everything that you go out there and do, and um, you don't stop thinking about it. So, you, of course, you you're, you're never going to be happier or content being called a sidekick, or um, and, and and that's not how I ever see myself. Um, so then when, when it's, it's said and it's reiterated, it's always a little bit like, oh, darn it. I thought I'd, do, I thought I'd pass that. But um, mm. I, it, it works for the storyline. Yeah, it does work for the storyline very well. Yeah. And, and, and personally, anybody wants to be the number one in their field. I mean, if, if you don't, then you, the, the management needs to find out who those individuals are that do not want to be number one in their field and let them go do something else where number two or three is good enough. Good enough. It's not good enough for WWE and people normally get found out when their attitude is just like, I just want to, I just want to coast. I don't, I don't make any yeah. noise and don't make any ways. That's, that's a, that's a sickness in my view. Hey, I wanted to ask you, 
uh, and Paul O'Brien smartened me up to this. Uh, the and I thought it was so uh, poignant. The last tweet from the American Dream that he ever made before he passed away was about you, and I yeah. thought it was just. Do you remember what he said? Uh, yeah, he said uh, Becky Lynch uh, be be a star in the next five years, or uh, maybe top five max, top one. Um, yeah, that's not verbatim, but um, it, uh, I can I can tell you this: Lynch at NXT star uh, time she be great. As Green talking, he leaves out a few adverbs. What the hell? Top yeah. five <laughs> of the last five years. Yeah. Uh, I thought that was pretty cool, and uh, uh, but it would be number one uh, very soon type thing. So he he saw back then that you were special, and the thing that I always thought, and I agree with him, was you're, it's the intangible stuff that you don't learn in uh, the performance center. You learn it in life. Your life experiences create facial expressions, creates body English, creates really motion because you have been there. You have suffered. You have overcome. Uh, you've had your back against the wall. That's what this character is. And that's what I think that you're getting. You're now, it seems to me like it's where it's not a sign of weakness from people sell. It's like, well, you, should, you know, grown men don't cry. Okay. I, I can, I, I, I break that rule because sometimes I get emotional and I'll shed a tear or two because that's just me. But my emotions also helped me make a good living for a long time. So uh, I think that people are understanding now your journey. And the more opportunity you get on the various platforms to tell your journey of real uh, real Becky Lynch, you know, uh, Rebecca, uh, Rebecca Quinn, is because yeah. you're, you're playing yourself. You're just playing it on television, and you change the name a little bit, you know? Yeah, basically, yeah, pretty much. Well, you know, Steve and Austin made a, Austin, more than a in, real, in real life. But. <laughs> the, people said, "What made Austin great?" Because Austin, he he connected with the blue, the average Joe, and he played a louder version of his true self. He didn't yep. play the, a character. If you can fold more of uh, uh, Rebecca Quinn and her journey and her challenges and her trials and tribulations about should I or shouldn't I, but become a wrestler. Because it is not the normal job. It's, hell, you, you figured that out way early on, starting at 15. What an education. And But you do, you've done a hell of a job. I think that uh, one thing I also admire is that you don't mix your personal life with your business. You don't use your personal life as a backdrop for either more drama or more uh, hyperbole, if that makes any sense. I appreciate that as a fan. Yeah. Oh, well, thank you. Uh, you know, I don't know. I don't. I don't need to know who you're mad at or who you went to dinner with last night, unless you want to tell me. And that's your prerogative. Uh, I'm not asking that question here, by the way, for the record. Uh, yeah. Have you thought about? Have they talked to you about doing Total Divas? Um, I, when when I first got on um, the road, there was a conversation about that. Um, for me, I don't. I don't think that um is in my future and I, 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 I appreciate what it's done for the other girls. Um, but I just, I, I think I would like to keep my, um, my real life separate to, to wrestling. And, um, I, I just not, uh, foreseen me on any sort of reality TV show. Mm -hmm. I, I, I can see that and I can appreciate that too. Uh, and the other thing you've uh, seemingly avoided is the, 
uh, normally combustible wrestler slash wrestler relationship. I used to tell Talos <laughs> when I first I first got I I got I first hired a lot of women because uh, Vince wanted to upgrade the whole scene of the, the division and you know we started hiring you know Trish Stratus and Lita and Stacy Keebler and Tori Wilson and you know great workers too like you know Jackie Moore and uh, gosh uh, so many I'm gonna leave out names yeah. uh, uh, and I'll think of and feel bad that I didn't have this written down but it just came on top of my head but I told Vince at that time I said you know this uh dynamic this is these are not moolah's girls coming in uh, once or twice a year these are like eights and tens athletic eights and tens they're going to be intermingling on campus they're all going to share a dorm if you you know what i'm saying here yeah and and and, uh over the years if you could almost write a soap opera on the uh shenanigans or whatever the better word that goes on in real life involving uh, men and women that are on the road, you know, more time than they are at home. Yeah, it's not, a, it's not a mystery. It's going to happen. Right. But it changed the business forever. So I'm saying on a social uh, climate in the locker room and uh, had, had, were you in the business to, to understand that or, or is that something more you realize after getting into the, that world? I, I think, um, you know what? I don't, I don't I think that's one thing that, again, I've always wanted, especially because you're going to be around these people all the time. And, like, I don't know. I just, I I would like to keep that separate to my own personal life. And I just feel like everybody ends up becoming, like, a family member. You know what I mean? <laughs> like yep. a brother or whatever. And, uh, and, and I just, I, I always want to keep my work life so drama-free. Yeah. So, however, I can do that so that I can go in, uh, not have any awkwardness <laughs> with anybody, um, not have any uh, fights, or just you know, like that. That everything is uh, everything's about the work. You are incorporating what you learned on the road in your last journey. Common sense. Yeah. yeah, it's challenging to have two stars in one in under one roof. It's challenging who gets more TV time. Well, can you talk to Vince? Well, can you talk to Vince? Can you know? I, I've, I, I, I feel badly for some of those young couples that are just starting to make money. They're they're part of their first big time job uh, by 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 a mile, and all of a sudden now they're they're worrying about the other status overshadowing theirs. It becomes yeah. completely everything that a relationship should be based upon, not bling and stuff. But you know what I mean. It's just. It's, it's yep. just, it, it causes a tough situation to live in. That's all. Yep. So, uh, yeah. tell me about the, uh, I, I, before we let you go here, cause I could talk to you all day. I enjoy this. What about, uh, the Marine six? Tell me what, what do you do in Marine six? Are you a Marine? No, but maybe I'll, I'll come back. At the, well, no, actually I'm kind of giving away spoilers. <laughs> say that. Um, so no, I'm not. Um, so I am uh, the um, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm the bad guy in this one. So uh, first of all, absolutely loved shooting it. It was it was so great. Um, and and Sean and and Mike were amazing. Um, but yeah, so I'm the uh, I'm the daughter of a gang lord, and he's been taken to jail. And uh, in order to get him out of jail, I kidnapped the daughter of uh, of one of the jurors so that he'll hang the jury. 
Um, and then, of course, I kidnap her. And then the Marines, Mike and Sean, stumble upon us. And all hell ensues. And I'm trying, they, they cake her, and then I'm trying to get her back. And um, there's the whole rigmarole. But, uh, I mean, my intentions were good, clearly. <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> but, yeah, no, <laughs> but, yeah, no it, was, it was so much fun to do. It was, it was quick. It was a three-week shoot for the entire movie. Um, but we did it in London, and it was nice. Uh, it was different, you know. It was nice having like a schedule and being in the one spot for three weeks. That was that was a nice little break. And there were early call times, but you know, when you're in your own bed or in the same bed for 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 three weeks straight, <laughs> it just feels like such a break. People don't understand the small things like that that are so important. You know, I I, I got home from London on Monday night, and I couldn't wait to, get to go to, to shower off the flight and go to bed. Don't yeah, sound very exciting. Doesn't, doesn't sound, yeah, it doesn't sound very exciting, but that seemed like the best place for me to be at that time. <laughs> yeah, the bed, you know. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so uh, look, I appreciate you being on so much. Uh, I I told uh, I said you know Becky reminds me of the young Maureen O'Hara, and if you're an Irish woman, that's to mm. me, I always thought that was a great compliment because to me she was striking. Uh, you know, she was oh, okay. the, one of the great uh, character uh, with John Wayne uh, on many films, uh, including McClintock and, you know, Big Jake. They they liked working together. And so uh, I always kind of had that, that little, you know, junior high crush on uh, – she was very <laughs> athletic, you know. She was very athletic. I She did a lot of her own stunts, and I always admired that. thought that was kind of cool. So uh, I, I uh, really uh, have enjoyed following your – it's almost like a rebirth of uh, Becky Lynch in the last several weeks. It's almost as if you've found the formula to get you to the next place you want to go. Do you feel that way? I feel like it, yeah. I feel like uh, there was just some uh, stuff, I guess, in my own life that I, I kind of had to break through. And I feel like once I did that, like everything just felt like uh, felt like it started flowing a lot better. And, and um my career felt like it got better, and I just felt like, uh, yeah, I just feel like everything is kind of coming together, and I really, and I really know myself a lot better now than I, I ever have, and I've gained more confidence than I ever have in myself, my ability, and, and going out there. Um, I, I also, I, I love SmackDown. I really love SmackDown, and I love the show, and I love what we've got going on, and I love the locker room, and. I just I, I really want to to put everything into it and to um to just make it an entertaining show. And uh luckily I've got the backing of the writers and, and producers and management right now to um be able to, to go and, and do some great stuff and it's been a lot of fun and um yeah, I feel really lucky and, and, and hopefully I'm almost sorry to see where the storyline goes. Yeah, I'm excited, but I don't. I don't want to know any spoilers. I don't want to know nothing. I like to follow it. I don't it. know any. I couldn't tell. So that, but the, you know what? That's good. I, I when when Josh Barnett and I do uh, New Japan Wrestling uh, for Access TV on Friday nights, we have no idea. We don't preview the matches, and when we go do a show live a few times a year, we don't know anything. We don't know who's going over. We don't know who, any specific spots or nothing. Zero. It's just like going and calling a Premier League football game in the UK or the NFL game on Sunday. I don't, who, I don't know who's going to win. It doesn't matter. Just call the game and get everybody over 
as based on what you see. And that's yep. kind of, the, and it's not that hard. I've had, I've had wrestling announcers that are very busy, very prominent in this for our profession to say, how do you do that? Well, I don't, I mean, it's cause I, I just watch what the, I just tell a story. I mean, I'm a, I'm a lyricist and the wrestlers yeah. make music and it's my obligation to provide a lyric to their music. The music comes first, simple. So, uh, I, I enjoy that not knowing everything and, and, uh, I don't. I think that's kind of tainted the business a little bit too. So much information on the internet. There will be things that you and I said in this interview that will drop as they always do on Wednesday. That somebody will say, "Ah, oh, I, I kind of know what's going on now. I got the finish of SummerSlam." How you do? Well, good for you. Then what you ought to do is go to Vegas and bet a shitload of money, buddy. That's what you ought to do. So sometimes, this, sometimes you do hear some stuff and you go, "Really?" That didn't happen, or that's oh. not going to happen. It uh, it entertains me. Yes, it does. And as you do us uh, in the on TV and in the ring, uh, Becky, thank you for joining us again, folks. It's at Becky Lynch WWE on Twitter, and uh, be one of the more than one million that follow her. There's a reason a lot of people follow her is because she's very entertaining, and and uh, I I, have a, I enjoy it very much. Becky, thank you very, a lot. Uh, enjoy your few minutes at home. And uh, I will uh, hopefully see you around the campus sometime. Excellent. Thank you so much for having me on. And best to your, to you at uh, SummerSlam. It's like a new WrestleMania. It's WrestleMania 2 season. Yes, absolutely. I appreciate it. Thank you. We're going to wrap it up here, ladies and gentlemen. Hope you enjoyed the program this week. I love talking to Becky Lynch. She's so talented, extremely smart. Becky Lynch is an extension of herself. She is on television, what she's already lived, overachieving, overcoming obstacles. As you heard her say, she's, she was not a great athlete. She worked hard to rebuild her, reshape her body, to, to acquire more athletic skills and through practice and effort and repetition and sacrifice. That's what she's doing now. This Becky Lynch is that person, overcoming obstacles. Hey, it's kind of challenging, you know, when you are considered somebody's, uh, you know, sidekick and you say yourself, well, I'm not a great athlete, but we know Charlotte is a phenomenal athlete. She's a world-class athlete. And that may always distinguish Charlotte from everybody else. I don't know, but boy, the, I love the, the scene on the, on the, with the women now in WWE. And I thank Becky for joining us. We'll be pulling for her at SummerSlam. No doubt about it. To have the, the those three ladies have the match of the night. And I, I don't see any reason they can't, uh, Hey, the latest five-star reviews here. Uh, Kenneth Lilbeck says, good old JR is like a fine whiskey. Yes, sir. I had some Maker's Mark in London on because you can only get one ice cube. That's a city law, I think, there. So I got one cube of ice in a lonely cup with a uh, shot. I wanted like three fingers. I got like two of Maker's Mark. It's very good. Uh, but JR is like fine whiskey. It's better with age. His brutal honesty. It's great in a business where shameless pandering is the norm. He not only entertains, he makes you think. Great guests, great topics, just an awesome experience. Thank you, Kenneth. Kay Fave says, quote, unquote, I love it. Please. Ravens uh, 520 says, it took me a while to realize the podcast had come back. But that's just more for me to binge listen. Exactly. Best podcast out there today. 
Love JR and he love the high quality of guests. Thank you very much, Ravens 520. Appreciate you. Hey, for, remember, folks, uh, uh, we're at uh, Jim Ross, uh, the Jim Ross Report at gmail.com for your questions and comments, things of that nature. Leave us a five star rating uh, if, you, if you have the time. It takes about a minute, maybe two, if you're slow like me. Two, max. Apple Podcasts, uh, Google Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your audio. But there's only one place to get Slobberknocker audio, and that's from the mighty Westwood One. Check out the new Westwood One uh, podcast app. Uh, it's home now to a, a plethora, a stable, a, a, a consignment, another word I can't think of, of uh, provocative podcasting superstars. No kidding. Somebody's booking some pretty good stuff here. Uh, that includes uh, 83 weeks with uh, uh, Eric Bischoff and Conrad. Mr. Barnett hit me the other day with an idea. He said, I have an idea. How do you handle a hungry Connie? How do you handle a hungry Connie? And I said, I don't know. And he said, by the cheeks. <laughs> Sick. 83 weeks with Connie and uh, Eric Bischoff. They have some good arguments. They're like an old married couple. In a good way. Not there's anything wrong with that. Uh, talk is Jericho. Chris Jericho on the show very recently. Last week, I think. And we're going cruising together, baby. Uh, JerichoCruise.com. If, if you miss it, you're going to regret it for a long time. promise you. Keep me at 100 with Conan. I just call him Carlos because he is my friend. He's my amigo. Smart dude. The Raven Effect. Another smart dude. Scotty, the Raven. Forevermore. And so many more. Uh, search Westwood One Podcast in the App Store and Google Play Store today. It's free. Price is right. And uh, before we leave, uh, I'd like to encourage you to follow me on Twitter at JRSBBQ. I'm on Facebook and Instagram at Jim Ross BBQ. So uh, check us out there if you choose. Remember, those JR and the King show tickets are getting scarce in Nashville and in Rosemont. Uh, August the 16th in Nashville, August 23rd in Rosemont, zanies.com. L- love to see you there. Love to see you there. Slobberknocker still kicking it. Uh, Amazon.com will get you a book in a day or two, max. Great, great uh, business is still doing well. A lot of people are still discovering our book. And when I was in, uh, in London last weekend, uh, a lot of folks brought their book with them uh, to uh, have me sign, which I love doing. And I'll be signing books and selling books, by the way at the two Zanies uh, events, and also we'll have some barbecue sauce and, uh, you know, some condiments and goodies uh, as well. So uh, check that out. Slobber Knocker, my life in wrestling at Amazon. It's doing, still doing great, thanks to you guys. And, again, a lot of people are just discovering it, so that's encouraging in a way. But uh, in any event, uh, Paul O'Brien have basically agreed to get ourselves rolling on, a, on book number two to pick up where we left off in uh, the first book and then and rock and roll, which would be a very compelling read, I promise you. Next week here on the program, I encourage you to join us because NWA heavyweight champion Nick Aldis is going to be joining me here. I have not had Nick on the show before. He's married to one of my favorite people in the whole wide world, Mickey James. And uh, Nick is the NWA champion. He'll be facing, uh, defending against Cody Rhodes, uh, Cody Runnels, or just Cody. One of those three people will, t- will turn up, and they will be wrestling Nick for the Nick's NWA title at All In September 1st in Chicago. 
And uh, the, well, the time is running out, running near. I wish I could be there to see that, but I'll be watching OU play Florida Atlantic University in Lane Kiffin and Norman on that very date, which is why I'm not going to be at all in, if you're wondering. I did get invited by my friend Connie. Up, oh, Connie. He's my man. I tell you guys, stick together. You got to. You know what I'm saying? So until next week, uh, Nick Aldis will join us, as I mentioned, if you will, too. Uh, thank you very much. Thank, again, my thanks to Becky Lynch. Uh, good show. A lot of good stuff going on. I'm blessed to be alive. I'm blessed to have this career. And, and it's all because you folks that listen and uh, support our efforts. So until next week, I will get back into my black Escalade. I will drive down I-35 South and go back to Norman. And so until next week, ladies and gentlemen, I say to you very politely, so long, everybody. Westwood One Podcast Network, The Raven Effect. So what about this all-women's pay-per-view? There's a couple things I think are, are attributing, but like, I, I feel like they definitely took a huge hit with that Greatest Royal Rumble. I think it's great, but I don't think it should be anything interesting because it should just be par for the course. You know what I mean? The Raven Effect. Download and subscribe at Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and the Westwood One Podcast app. Free from the Westwood One Podcast Network. John brings his skewed sense of humor. Jeff brings tips to cut strokes off your next round. Together, it's those weekend golf guys. They'll pay a lot of money to PXG and Titleist and Callaway and on and on and on. Right? How many yards do you think you're going to pick up with that extra? I think I can get an extra 5 to 10. What if I give you 15 to 20? <laughs> you pay me more. Jeff Smith right? teaches on the sliding scale. <laughs> those weekend golf guys, the podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen.